Previously on Transformers University, the Marvel US comic moved from limited series to ongoing series. And today, we break down the final three issues of the first full year of Transformers comics in the United States with Marvel issues 13 through 15 on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another edition of Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Bricali, and today we are on episode number 30, and we are covering Marvel US 13 through 15. Now, that's Marvel UK 51 to 56. So we left off Marvel UK with issue 41. So there is uh, 42 through 50. Uh, there's an eight-issue gap uh, before these stories show up in Europe and in Marvel UK. So that is uh, well into 1986 when these show up. So the continuity is going to get a little shift in. I'm going to have to figure out how to cover that going forward. But in this one, uh, since we are in U.S. and we are wrapping up 13 through 15, I did want to note that these won't be showing up in the Marvel UK run for some time. And the reason that's important to me, usually I mention the artists and the creators, especially uh, the covers for the UK versions. And the cover for issue 51 was drawn uh, by Jeff Sr. And technically that wouldn't be his debut uh, he'd be his first mention here on this podcast, but not his debut in Marvel UK. And uh, part of why I held off issue 42 from the previous episode is because that is the uh, first issue with art by Jeff Sr. So we are going to hold off uh, on mentioning much more about that. But uh, longtime Transformers fans know Jeff Sr. is one of the premier Transformers pencilers and artists uh, from G1. But this run of issues, starting with issue 13, uh, features a new penciler as well in the U.S., and that will be Don Perlin. Now, Don Perlin uh, did the cover of this issue for Shooting Star, which, um, it's worth noting, does not feature a robot and is the first uh, U.S. book for sure that does not feature a robot on the cover. And though new to Transformers as of this issue, Perlin is a famed comic artist, uh, a favorite of then-editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Uh, there's a great story on his blog about how Shooter spent part of a Thanksgiving with Perlin's dad, and the two have been close ever since. Uh, he was also an early penciler on uh, Valiant Comics, which was also started by Shooter, and a uh, personal favorite uh, comic universe of mine, where he drew uh, books such as Solar, Man of the Atom, and Bloodshot. Now, for more on this issue, I'm going to turn it over to my good friend, Gabriel Owens, the Salty Seaman. Hey folks, Salty Seaman here, Gabriel Owens. I'm doing a review of issue 13 of the Transformers G1 US run. Now, this, uh, this issue starts off letting you know it's a very, very odd, offbeat Transformer story. It's not your typical. Uh, I think it's what makes it kind of stand out. Uh, this is one of the, uh, like, I had about the first 20 issue, like, full-on run. Maybe missing one issue in the middle there somewhere. But uh, those issues I read uh, over and over again, about age 8 to 10. 
Uh, it was very, you know, I think I might have talked about this before, but th- th- this is one that definitely it's always stuck out to me. I remember having uh, this one and, and reading it a lot growing up because I, I was just fascinated with just, just the different take it had. So basically we start off with uh, a, a, a kind of a two-bit uh, lowlife running away from uh, some um, a mob tough men. It's a guy, our hero, so to speak, Joey Slick. Who was uh we find out later was an errand boy for a major uh, mob guy. Uh, he apparently took the boss the the boss's money and decided to to play it at the at the horse track, which is uh, tells you the intelligence level of the guy. And I was like, hey, let me take the mob boss's money and and go play the horsies. Uh, so he's about to get what's coming to him, and lo and behold, he finds Megatron's gun, Megatron in gun mode, Walter P thirty eight in the uh, in a river or a stream he'd fallen into while he's getting the 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 crap kicked out of him by these two uh, thugs and he pulls out Megatron on them and Megatron ends up like he, he clicks the weapon. Of course, Megatron doesn't shoot. Uh, and then he just orders just out of, you know, last minute, whatever, just kind of orders Megatron to shoot or the gun to shoot. And he basically takes out the, uh, the, the two, uh, the two, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't kill them. I was wondering that that's one part I kind of forgot rereading. It was like, does, you know, is he like straight up murdering fools? See murking people that no they're they're just uh, knocked unconscious with uh, somehow with his the, the the we all know the power of Megatron's in any mode, but he merely knocks these two humans unconscious. Uh, he uh, goes and hides out, uh, asks the gun what it is. Gun turns transforms into Megatron and he gets us caught up to what happened to him. Uh, as we saw uh, last time when he was fighting uh, Ratchet, I believe in issue seven. He falls off a big cliff, and to survive the fall, he transforms into his human-sized gun mode. But the fall in, into the snowbank, but the fall is still enough to uh, to damage his uh, higher functioning circuits. He can no longer think for himself, and instead is uh, reliant on input commands from any other source. In this case, being Joey Slick. Uh, we get a pic- we uh, Joey goes home. He's living in he lives in the Portland area. I seems to be well liked in his neighborhood, so he doesn't seem like he's that bad of a guy. Just going by the uh, just all the how all the neighborhood people treat him, but definitely doesn't think much of himself. He thinks himself as a loser. Uh, then of course the mob bosses uh, henchmen come back looking for him. Uh, he starts to figure out Megatron more. He manages to uh, to ditch to ditch the uh, ditch the henchmen. He goes on the run. Goes, tries to get a hotel. There's no, uh, he doesn't have enough money. So he decides, you know what? I got the super gun. I'm just going to, ro- I'm just going to rob a convenience store. So I got some money. Uh, and so cops end up coming after him. And that's where he really starts to feel, feel the power of uh, Megatron in his hands. He's able to easily ditch the cops, blows up cop cars and overpasses and kind of starts to realize like, you know, he can, he can go places with his gun and he got, he goes on a, uh, you know, a, a, a robbery, a robbing spree throughout uh, the Portland area. And uh, using Megatron, and, and at one point he has like the entire National Guard in front of him, and just Megatron just takes him out in one fell blast. We cut back to the mob boss, who's getting angrier and angrier that this two-bit hood has been outsmarting everyone and is now the talk of the town. And you know his his pride is hurt. He really wants you know to take Joey Slick down, and I guess Slick is his uh, proper surname, as uh, you know people in his neighborhood we saw earlier actually call him Slick. Uh, Mr. Slick specifically. Uh, our mob boss here has a, has a girlfriend who is wearing like the skimpiest bikini you'll ever see in a comic that's essentially aimed for uh, you know the six to ten crowd. Uh, 
I, I did. I did notice that as a kid, and I re- and re looking at it as an adult, I'm like, wow, that's uh, that, that that's just kind of pushing it a little bit. I mean, she she's basically wearing a string bikini. Uh, also worth noting, uh, Lomax is reading a paper about Joey Slick's uh, exploits with a uh, Megatron, and uh, <clears throat> it's a it's, it's a wide the, the the art panel is a wide shot with uh the with Lomax with the mob the mob boss Lomax sitting on uh sitting on his beach chair by the pool, and we can read the headline, and the headline is the largest print to get an entire sentence. Onto uh, to be legible from the distance from the artistic perspective, but it's a very very comical. It's like you know, peace declared from like 1945. It's that size font, but they're talking about a two bit hoodlums robbing banks and such. And uh, it's uh, just from someone who comes from a journalism print background. I, I I find it very amusing. So as Joey's getting more uh, rich and he starts to get some uh, hangers on women, uh, his own henchmen. Uh, he he's not feeling. He realizes how empty and hollow it all is. Nothing. It's this is it isn't making him happy. So he he runs off his hangers on and decides to uh, go confront the Bob boss, whose uh, name is Lomax, by the way. I don't think I've mentioned that so far. And uh, goes to his mansion and uh, he, of course he sticks his guys on him because he hasn't learned the guy with a super gun is <laughs> everything he's done with Megatron so far. You think the guy would have learned, you know, maybe not to mess with the guy, but of course he. Blasts all his henchmen away, just unconscious, of course, and then throws down Megatron and decides he's going to fight Lomax, you know, in a fist fight, which he wins and then uh, proceeds to pay back the money he owed, which turned out to be a whole $600 is what this is over, which I understand as a mob boss, you know, you don't want anyone ripping you off, but it seems like a, a pretty trivial amount for someone of his stature to have, you know, since so many people have, but, you know, it's, I, I guess it all depends, but I, I found the amount kind of comical. Uh, as he tosses Megatron away, Megatron's circuitry reconnects. I don't know exactly how that happens, but Megatron uh, regains f- uh, control of his higher functions, uh, gets ready to uh, to kill Joey. Joey's already been, you know, get rid of the, the hangers on. He visits his old neighborhood, found out, you know, he's either he's feared or respected for the wrong reasons. Like he, he's basically ready to die. He's a Biggie Smalls album, and uh, just standing up to Megatron, just fearless, uh, puts the respect. Of Joey Slick into Megatron, who walks away with a warning to never give him a command again. And the police come, arrest Joey, who gives up without a fight. And uh, they just watch Megatron walk off into the sunset while he will uh, eventually go rejoin the uh, Decepticons, I believe, in the next issue. So what have we learned here today? I, I don't think there's much here other than the, the story. It's, a stand, it's basically a standalone other than it reconnects Megatron back into the main story. But uh, otherwise, it is a, you know it's a very different take. There's no Autobots in here. Uh, there's only one Decepticon. That's Megatron. And for the rest of it, it is a, it's a story about a human and a low life kind of two bit hoodlum uh, and what happens. But w- when they have pretty much ultimate power, but realize it's meaningless. You know, there's a bit of there's there is a bit of a, a of a tale of a moral here. And I think I don't know what it was about the story that always stuck with me as a kid and rereading it. Uh, I, I just, it's shorter than I remember. I don't, I think it's a typical 22 pages, but it went through pretty quick. Uh, still a pretty good story. Uh, Budansky, you know, for all the crap we give him, he, he, he could kick out the, uh, some good stuff when he, uh, when he really wanted to. And here early in his run, we see him still at the top of his game before he would get burnt out, uh, later in the sh- the comics run. Uh, 
Anyway, that's it for The Salty Seaman. Back over to you, Mr. Ant. Thanks, Gabe. And you can catch Gabe on his YouTube channel, The Salty Seaman, at youtube.com slash recharge138. And speaking of YouTube, real quick, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the tfu.info YouTube channel at youtube.com slash tfuinfo. A couple of things I want to note that uh, just a little interesting tidbits about this issue outside of what Gabe had talked about. And this is really an interesting story because it is kind of one, there's only Decepticons in it and it's only Megatron really. And it's just kind of an oddball story for a Transformer story. But uh, the mob boss and his girlfriend are Jake and Charlene. And these are go-to uh, pairs of names for uh, Budiansky. Uh, additionally, Joey Slick robs a convenience store, a 612 convenience store, um, <laughs> which I guess is uh, this universe's version of 7-Eleven. So moving on to issue 14, uh, an issue entitled Rock and Roll Out, uh, Marvel UK issues 53 through 54, and uh, 53 has the alternate UK cover drawn by Robin Smith. Now this issue is a bit different because it goes out of its way to introduce a bunch of new Autobots, not only to the comic and the reader, but in a reverse way also goes out of its way to introduce Earth to those new Autobots. And for more on this issue, here at Transformers University, we're going to actually have our first instance of an actual university professor contributing to the show. Uh, he is also one of our Patreon patrons. And I'm going to hand it over to Professor Mauricio Cafiero. My first Transformers comic was number 10, discovered at a gas station comic book rack when my mom stopped in to refuel. While that one blew my mind with how different it was from the cartoon, my second Transformers comic, number 14, really ignited my imagination. As a kid, I was always an origin story fanatic, and I loved things like Greek mythology because it explained where things came from. I suppose that's why I connected so strongly with the idea that these new Transformers didn't just appear out of nowhere, like in the cartoon, but rather they were reawakened from cold storage. This method of introducing new characters was crucial in my childhood headcanon, as each character introduced in the cartoon and comics, without a proper explanation, was now, in my mind, reawakened in a new body from a personality crystal. Years later, I saw this as the precursor to the Beast Era introduction of stasis pods and protoforms. The main story in this comic, with the fake Bruce Springsteen, was entertaining, but for me, issue 14 was all about filling in that hole in the narrative and explaining where new Transformers came from. And like I said earlier, Mauricio is one of our loyal Patreon subscribers, and if you would like to join the TFU.info Patreon, swing on over to patreon.com slash TFUINFO. That's patreon.com slash TFUINFO. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. And you would have gotten to hear this show a bit early. And some of our higher levels even include being able to appear on the show. Now, Mauricio talks about a few things uh, that are really special to this issue. So let's dive into uh, the story as it opens up. Because one of the things he mentions is uh, the Autobots being introduced in this story and, and kind of explaining how that happens in the comics. And another thing that gets explained in this issue is the way Cybertronians become Autobots. And it starts with the right of the Auto brand. 
uh, where Jetfire is officially becoming an Autobot, even so much so that he has to uh, share oil from his fellow Autobots in what's very similar to like a Blood Brothers ceremony. Uh, we see the Autobots in the repair bay, which doesn't fit with uh, the current UK timeline uh, that we talked about earlier as some of these characters are up and walking around, but they will get explained uh, into being injured later on in the UK book for some of them. As Mauricio mentioned, Wheeljack has this mind bank where there are five crystals imbued with the memories of five Autobots, and they are inserted into guns that are actually shaped like Optimus Prime's uh, toy gun. Uh, so that's an interesting note there, and five bodies are given new life. Hoist, smokescreen, skids, tracks, and grapple. And Optimus mentions that copies of their mind were uh, encoded into the crystals, which makes me wonder if there are still versions of Hoist, smokescreen, skids, tracks, and grapple running around on Cybertron. Bumblebee is ordered to give them a tour of Earth. And then we come back to the Decepticons on an oil platform, uh, the oil platform that they took over a few uh, issues back, uh, way back in issue six. And those Decepticons are the Seeker Jets, Starscream, Skywarp, Thundercracker, and those guys were last seen in issue six. Now, they are surrounded by the U.S. Navy, and Shockwave slams through a mountain on the beach uh, with a contraption attached to him in vehicle mode as he flies through the Navy now. When he crashes through that mountain on the beach, he startles a couple walking on the beach, and they're named Brad and Janet, which is actually an homage to the main characters in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Shockwave has uh, this contraption, and it turns out it is a power siphon, which turns uh, things, energy, uh, in this case the oil from the platform, into energon cubes and this is where we begin to see a convergence between the cartoon and the comic as the notion of energon cubes show up uh, towards the end of the second year of the comic now while the autobots are getting a tour of earth bumblebee gives them uh, a quick rundown of some of their new special features to blend in uh, such as shielding circuitry which hides their Autobot logo, their auto brand, from other cars around them. Uh, they also have uh, facsimile circuitry, which gives them a human pop-up driver, very similar to the autopilot in the movie Airplane. It also turns out that out of the group, uh, four of the characters have male drivers, while Trax has a female driver. Uh, while they're stopping for gas, Skids hears music and realizes he likes this music. And who is this music of? Brick Springstern and the 10th Avenue Band. And they're important because they are the ones having the concert uh, that we will see further in this issue. We go back to the Decepticons who uh, plan on using the Power Siphon at the Brick Springstern and the 10th Avenue Band concert. The Autobots on their tour end up at the stadium where there's 80,000 people and a live concert. And uh, they park in the parking lot and Bumblebee uses his advanced sight to see inside of the building. And this is actually a neat callback to something we see a few times in the coloring books. And if you are not familiar with that, go back to a few of the Transformers books episodes I've done previously. Uh, Bumblebee's telescopic sight, advanced sight, uh, is mentioned many times. 
Uh, eventually, there's a battle between the Seekers and Shockwave versus the Autobots who are there. The stage gets damaged, but Hoist repairs it and tells Brick to uh, continue the show. Uh, and the Autobots win, even though Bumblebee was told not to engage the Decepticons, which is very similar to the 1985 annual we covered last issue. And that takes us off to the final Marvel Transformers comic for 1985, and that is issue 15, Marvel UK issues 55 and 56, called I, Robot Master. And that name's a take on the Isaac Asimov story of I, Robot. Um... Neat thing about this is the cover is a comic book cover within a comic book cover, so it's it's a drawing of a comic book cover on a comic book cover. And what makes this even cooler is that the UK version issue number fifty five was adapted for the UK by changing the headers to match the UK version. So the prices are changed from dollars to pence, and uh, even the boxes in the corners are all switched to match whatever was current. Uh, in Marvel UK at the time. Also of note, that cover drawn by Herb Trimpey and the UK issue 56 cover drawn by Robin Smith. Now, this issue features a newcomer to the series, inker Keith Williams, who uh, is a longtime inker, still is, for Marvel and DC. This issue starts out with uh, Megatron being hungry, so much so that he raids a coal mine. Uh, in the process of this raid, uh, he cannot process the coal and runs out of energy and freezes in place. Now, the U.S. government uh, and its agency, III, stands for Intelligence and Information Institute, spearheaded in an effort by Walter Barnett, who we met last issue uh, having conversations with G.B. Blackrock. Uh, he gets an idea from his son's Robot Master comic. Uh, he heads to New York City to the comic publisher, which is located at 387, uh, which is totally a reference to Marvel, which was located at 387 Park Avenue. And actually in the offices, you'll see a drawing of the Incredible Hulk on the wall. Uh, while he's there, uh, Donnie Finkelberg, uh, the writer of Robot Master, is fired. Now, Finkelberg is actually uh, an homage to Marvel bullpen writer Danny Fingeroth. Now, one of the things Finkelberg is fired for is, uh, I guess, being a terrible writer, even though he believes he can sell any story, uh, including his idea that he keeps pitching for a graphic novel featuring the character Potato Salad Man and a title to it of This Man, This Mayonnaise, which is a reference to a famed Fantastic Four story starring The Thing. And with such serendipitous timing, Barnett and Finkelberg meet up and Barnett hires him basically to wag the dog. He's going to hire him to play Robot Master and say he is in charge of these robots running around. And in this book, there's an interesting coloring error. At some point, there is a green version of Wheeljack in a frame just after Hoist uh, so that he's got the same colors. And man, do I want a green Wheeljack. If anyone wants to draw a green and orange G1 wheeljack for this show. I will find a place for it somewhere. So Barnett puts Robot Master on TV uh, to claim the Cybertronians are his servants. Later on, there's a news report that shows Megatron frozen at the Wyoming mine. And this is time for uh, both the Autobots and Decepticons to 
go get Megatron. So Soundwave, who is in an electronic store, uh, escapes the store with Ravage, Laserbeak, and Buzzsaw, and heads to Wyoming. And the Autobots decide, of course, to drive there. And this is actually the first comic reference of Optimus Prime saying, transform and roll out. Autobots, transform and roll out. Again, as we mentioned before, there's starting to be a convergence to some extent of the cartoon and the comic. Now, Finkelberg is being flown out to Wyoming by Barnett to do another video from the mine and from in front of Megatron. The Autobots show up and they get attacked by the U.S. military. The Decepticons show up and rescue Megatron by giving him fuel, uh, Soundwave and friends. The Autobots, they get beat up pretty bad because they're low on numbers and they're getting attacked by the military. They retreat and Megatron and the Decepticons win the day. Finkelberg uh, is captured by the Decepticons and threatened by Megatron. Uh, but he convinces Megatron to use him as a pawn to convince humans that the Autobots are evil. And so he is a captive of the Decepticons. And there's an interesting parallel again to Megatron's master plan, which we talked about a few episodes back, uh, that this notion of using the news to convince the world that the Autobots are evil in the name of the Decepticons uh, is one now that is not just specific to the cartoon and that wraps up 1985 for marvel comics and that will wrap up this episode as well as always if you want to follow the show swing on by to our youtube channel youtube.com slash tfu info please subscribe we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers ahead of our New York Comic-Con coverage, which is just about six weeks away. Uh, beginning of October, first week of October, I will be at New York Comic-Con with all the latest, probably from Hasbro, definitely from IDW, and live footage from the show floor and anything else I can do. If you really like to support the show directly, swing on by to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TFU info. You can sign up for as little as a buck. And all of our patrons get to hear the show at least 24 hours ahead of everyone else. If you want to keep in touch with me, I'm usually on Twitter. Twitter.com slash TFU underscore info. Uh, but you can also catch me on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.com slash TFU info. Instagram.com slash TFU info. And of course, if you'd like to email me, it's info at TFU.info. And you can catch the website and toy archive at www tfu.info next time on the show we're gonna head on back to the world of animation and talk about episodes 21 through 25 of season two we talk a little bit about dinobots maybe a little bit about blaster and of course we'll head on over to king arthur's court and the golden lagoon so keep it here on transformers university for your next transformers history lesson i am your host anthony bricali see you